Hello, hello, hello. Hope everything's a happy teal horizon out there in a primo land, folks. Welcome back to another marketing cheat codes episode. We've been cruising through this season. So understood if you've missed a few episodes, but don't, don't worry, we've been mining all of these amazing cheat codes back on Primo Studios. So just head on over to aprimo.com to catch up. As you know, I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman, joined by a Primo CMO, Ed Brialt. Ed, who's in the studio today with us? A real inspiration. Her name is Jasmine Goodman. She's the head of corporate communications for our partner, Content Stack, as well as she's a VP at the Mock Alliance. And she also is a fighter for gender equity and also a triathlete. Yeah, I had really a really good conversation with her getting into the mind of the triathlete and bringing that into the world of uh, marketing and the multidisciplinary aspect of the role. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Just real quick, for those of you who don't know, Mock Alliance is an acronym that stands for Microservices, API First, Cloud Native, and Headless. And it's an industry alliance that's focused on the development of the composable stack. Uh, and in this case, the composable content stack, which you know, Primo is an advocate for. We uh, are helping pioneer the space in content ops. So really, really looking forward to what she has to say from a cheat codes perspective, not only from tech, but just in terms of how easy it is within the content space to get overwhelmed and how you have to kind of go dial it back to focus on the individual elements in order to kind of see the broader omni-channel picture. Definitely a lot of, uh, I'll call it diverse cheat codes drop, the highly technical, as well as like the mental framework mindsets that we need to be successful as marketers. Yeah. For example, I I love it when a cheat code can go from business to personal kind of as that balance, like she's got one about visualization as a manifestation for your goals. It's something that I think a lot of us might practice, you know, whether it's taking three minutes to work in some transcendental meditation between meetings, but I just love it when we can have a cheat code for marketing that goes way beyond the realm of our business. Yeah, absolutely. A fantastic episode here. All right. Well, let's get into it and I'll catch you on the flip side, Ed. Here we go. Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. My name is Ed Brialt, host of Marketing Cheat Codes and CMO at Aprimo. I'm super excited today to have uh, somebody who has um, some uh, an amazing career arc, I would put it at that, uh, as well as some really interesting missions, both in the office and outside the office. Um, Jasmine Goodman. Jasmine, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Absolutely. And we have to start with you, of course. And I see some race maps behind you right now. And those are triathlon maps. Race that course. is correct. That's correct. Um, so, yeah. Tell me a little bit more. I, there's. We're going to get into the, the conversation, but triathlon, swim, bike, run, all these disciplines. Okay. There are, there's three. There's transitions in between. So there's three, but there's more disciplines that are unknown. There's, there's diet, there's recovery, there's nutrition, there's fuel. There's so many dimensions to putting together that race. There's so many parallels into the world of marketing as well that we'll get into. Um, tell me about your, how did you get started in triathlon? Thank you so much for asking. And it's so uh, exciting. It's such a fantastic sport. Uh, it's also why I love those race maps. Um, and as 
my background. It's actual pictures on the wall. It's such a great way to remember. And it's such a great conversation starter. Uh, and it is a creative way. It's not just putting a medal up on a wall, which is what you would probably would be your first guess, right? Uh, you get a medal at the finish line, you put it somewhere, but then it basically starts collecting dust and who wants that? But here's a creative expression. I got into triathlon, uh, oh, really by, <laughs> by mistake almost. Um, I was running at the time and I met someone who was scheduled to do the Ironman in Frankfurt. So that is one of the most popular races. And to me at that point in time, which was almost 15 years ago, that person almost seemed like a god, right? There's so many, I mean, how can you imagine you swim three and 3.8 kilometers, kilometers, not lanes or meters, right. kilometers. And then you hop on your bike and you ride 180 kilometers, which is really far. And to finish that off, you now still have to run a full marathon, 26.2 miles of running. So I, to me, that was unheard of. I never saw myself doing something as crazy yeah. as that. So what I did is I figured, you know what, maybe there's a smaller version of this gigantic feat that maybe I could do. So I started reading up and sure enough, there is what um, they call uh, an everybody's triathlon here in Germany. Okay. And that okay. is- There's the sprint, sprint distance, there's the yeah. Olympic distance and yeah, yeah, what's everybody's buddy? See, and the, that is so fun because that is even shorter. So there's yeah. the official distances, which is sprint, uh, Olympic, half Ironman and Ironman. So that that's where stuff gets starts getting real serious. But there's yeah. also a almost a trial triathlon uh, of sorts, which is um, a 500 meter swim. So, you know, very doable, uh, a 20 kilometer bike ride and a five kilometer run. So all in all, it takes an hour and a half. It, it's nothing crazy. It's actually something that like the name implies, everybody can do. If you have some base level of fitness and you're not a couch potato, <laughs> that is that is doable. So I, I read up, I uh, found one in the, in the area and um, I went and I just, uh, I almost drowned. I, I had trouble getting on a bike, finding my bike in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. So to your point, there are so many things. And if you don't know any of them, if you're a newbie, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Plus add to that, that here's all the other participants. And some of them look like the most professional athletes, even on the very short distances. And you're like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I've borrowed a bike. I brought a swimsuit from back in the day. I have a pair of running shoes, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, and here's professionals arriving at the starting line. So and there's always also that mental component of, of, of you could add that as a as a discipline as well. And then you just progress through the distances. So you go from trial to sprint, you go from you survive sprint, you go from sprint to Olympic and so on and so forth. And usually at every step, it takes you a while. Right. You want to be comfortable with the distance and with the tr amount of training that you need to put in. Yeah. And then, um, you know, some progress till King's class, which is Ironman. 
And I did, but it took me five years for the record. It's, you know, I was on the half distance and I was like, I if just thinking about, I need to do this twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, right back to back was like, no, I'm, are you kidding me? And then eventually you just, and I think here's another great parallel to our profession. Not yeah. everything is rational. Not everything can be explained. Data cannot do everything for you. The data very clearly showed that I was capable of doing a long distance triathlon, but my mind was not, no, was in disbelief. Yeah. So what needed to happen at, at some point, and thankfully it did, is you need to take that leap of faith. You have to decide. It's a very conscious decision. Okay, I don't know if I can do this, but I want to. And then that changes everything because your decision now sets the course of action. And now very automatically almost, at least for me, that everything falls into place. So I know I want to do this Ironman in uh, August of year X. So you start calculating backwards, like with any product launch or campaign that you're launching or whatever it is that you're working towards, you've set the goal and then yeah. you start working backwards. And then all you need to do, quote unquote, is stick to your plan. Yeah. And I, then, uh, yeah. I, I love that. There's so many, there's so many things we could talk about. So many parallels right there. Mm -hmm. What you were just hitting on right now is there's you, you, you see this idea of an Ironman full distance and it, somebody who does that, it looks like a superhero. You demystify it over time and you pick the goal. It's a big goal, big, hairy, audacious goal. I want to do that full distance Ironman, but then you, you create your, your, your steps to get there. You get your mindset, right? And then your, of course you couldn't just go and do the, the full distance. You had to put your, fitness you to periodize your fitness and training over time to get there um and then you sort of go through the uh i'll call it the the pilot or the demystifying smaller race because you're still putting the race together it's it's not the full endurance but it's like the you still need to get up early you have all well you have to go to, to sleep early because you're probably getting up at like 3 30 4 a.m because these things start at 7 a.m mostly um and you've got to have all your equipment together your uh your wetsuit your your cap your goggles uh your bike your water bottles your you have to make sure your bike's tuned up and the brakes are going to work and uh and that it's um it's it's probably you know, your chain is uh, in good condition. And then you need to set everything up sometimes the night before. Uh, and then you're looking at the transitions and you're mapping the routes and there's all kinds of cheat codes you're looking for, uh, in there too. And then, um, maybe you drive the course or you look at the, uh, what you're about to have to go through. And then, you know, there's a, a T2, right? Transition two, which is where you get off the bike and you get, uh, you put your shoes on and you go on the run. Uh, there's, when we think in, in terms of marketing or um, we think about plans and strategies, 
we've got big goals, but if we break them down and I want to ask you about something, visualization, how important is visualizing what you're, what we just talked about from, from start line to finish line where your hands are above your head and you're feeling good. How important is visualization in the race as well as in achieving professional goals? Excellent point. Um, visualization is one of the most important hacks, if you want to call it that, but it really is a mental hack, right? You, for one, what it does in advance is it allows you to see yourself as someone that maybe you're not yet. So here's working towards manifestation of your goals. And that is important because once you've seen yourself in that new environment or at the finish line, it's really hard to unsee that. And it has a, it has a really strong pull, right? You want to get to that finish line because you actually have a really good feeling, a sense of what it will likely be like. It will be totally different that I can tell you. It never is like you imagine it to be, but it, that doesn't yeah. take anything away from it. <laughs> um, and that is a very powerful tool in your toolkit. While you're out on a course, you can draw on the same principles. And that becomes even more important the harder the day gets. So, you know, you show up, everyone shows up, hopefully prepared to the best of their abilities, but that does not mean that everything is going to go as you envisioned it or, you know, as you would have liked, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, you never know what cards you will be dealt. And what matters is how well you play your cards. Everyone is being dealt cards. And it really boils down to how do you handle that? Do you handle that well? And if you can visualize and really put yourself in a good mental space, that is the biggest competitive advantage that you can have because not very many people are able to do that when the going gets tough. As long as the sun's shining and everything's great and you feel awesome, not a differentiator. As soon as things start getting hard, you would be surprised how many people throw in a towel and because they cannot make themselves stay in a mental place that is positive and that I can do this. And um, the, 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 the example that I can give you is for one, I always had a sticker on my, um, on my top bar that said magic doesn't happen inside your comfort zone. And it had this, those yeah. two bubbles. It's a really, it's a really nice, and even just glancing at it from the corner of my eye, I was like, that reminded me and it just served as a reminder. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to get tough at some point and that's okay. All you need to do is keep pushing. And if, if you can manage to do that and have, and if you need some little support and maybe that is a sticky note on your desktop or on your laptop or on your fridge, then that's perfect. That's all you need. Sometimes that little sticky that reminds you that it's not, if it was easy, anybody could do it. it absolutely. There, there's going to be headwinds that you're going to have to push into. The water's going to get choppy. Um, you might have gone into the race with a nagging injury and you have to put that out of your mind. Um, there, there's so much 
from visualizations, there's so much you need to put in your mind and there's, then you've got to put things out of your mind mm -hmm. and get past that, um, those, those points of adversity. Um, and it's how you operate in the moment that really matters. And have there been times when you know, there's always that, that self doubt, or you just want to throw in the towel, like you said, what are some of the mental frameworks you've used? Are, are there more like mental cheat codes you've used in a race or in business where when the going got tough, thinking through and having the, the persistence to push past the, um, whatever that obstacle might be? Yes, uh, two immediately come to mind. One is uh, in the race setting, but it can also be applied to the business setting, is the is boxing in, in the sense of box your efforts, box your time, but also uh, if you're if you have a rocky road ahead of you, only think about the 10 meters in front of you and the 10 meters to your back. So what can I do in this very, in this very, uh, small, very, uh, very, um, limited space, but also very safe space, right? I, I know I can see exactly what I'm heading into. I know what I've just come through. So it's it, stay inside your box. Don't worry about what's going to be happening in 10 kilometers or in 20 or in 30 control, <clears throat> excuse me, control the controllables. So make sure that wherever you are in your project, on your project plan, on your campaign, make sure that whatever you're doing right now is you're doing it to the best of your abilities. Never lose sight of where you're heading, but also don't fret about it if it's not perfectly clear. Do the best you can with what you have, where you are in that moment, and then that will inevitably get you to where you're wanting to go. So I think that's a super powerful framework that I'm using all the time because it's so easy and it's, it's so easy to get hung up, especially in these times where everything is more, faster, more channels, omni-channel, uh, gazillions of messages hitting you every day and yeah it's so important that you are able to focus on the one thing at hand while not losing sight of what's really important. I love that. I love that, bo that boxing mindset, because if, if you think about it all at once, you'll be overwhelmed mm. and you'll shut down. You really have to think about your, the scenario, the situation that you're currently in, um, almost compartmentalizing mm -hmm. that situation. And then as you get out of one situation into the next, into the next that will get you through, um, the, the entire race. And when you get to the end, what happens, how do you, when you finish a race, how do you feel typically? What, what does your mind go through? Well, you know what, uh, you're exhausted. <laughs> That's for sure. And here's fun, fun fact. I doing a, any race distance for the first time is magic because you go in with no expectations. Every second, third, fourth, fifth, 27th race is not going to be the same because you're always racing against yourself. You have a benchmark now. Yeah. And creating a benchmark is something very different to comparing yourself to a benchmark, even if it's your own. 
so the first race always has, and the first campaign, the first, whenever you're breaking new ground, that has a certain magic to it. But many times we don't realize that in a moment. So you arrive at that finish line for the first time, you finish that project, you create that wonderful asset, and it doesn't feel as great as you thought. I was expecting to turn into a freaking Wonder Woman when I crossed that finish line, <laughs> right? And I arrived there and I was I was super happy, but I was also super exhausted. And, and, it, and, and it was kind of maybe due to the expectation of it being, I don't know, something super crazy. It was, it was almost average. And only, you know, a few hours later, when I, when you realize what you've accomplished, that's when that, a, a, a very hard to describe, but super, super warm feeling of accomplishment fills you up. Right. And it's like, oh my goodness, I, I actually really did this. And then it just keeps growing and it makes you happy and happier and happier. And then for, for weeks you feed off that happiness, which is so much cooler than just one single finish line moment. But -hmm. I think that's a, you know, it's um, sometimes hard for people because they expect the big bang and to turn into some superwoman or superman. And and that unfortunately never happens. (laughs) (laughs) Do do you find that the, every finish line leads to another start line. Like you, you finished the race. Maybe you went so deep and mm-hmm. you even, I've seen folks, you know, finish races and they lay down and they're in pain and they get up, they need help getting back up. And they say, I'm never going to do that again. But then they're signing up for another race very Next day. quickly after. Yeah. That is, that is super common. Um, yeah. Super, super common. And I've, I've seen it myself. I've done it myself. Uh, I usually, it takes me a bit longer. I usually do uh, recover for a few weeks and I'm like, I don't want to have to do anything other yeah. than splash in a pool um, <laughs> yeah. and eat all the food. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's like in, like in business, we never stop until you die. You don't stop. If you're a passionate yeah person if you're if you're passionate about what you do how could you potentially ever stop the 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 only question is you know what is the next most exciting thing that i can go and have a stab at um and you know who do i meet along the way who points me in some other direction that i never thought of but hey maybe let's try this crazy thing over here so it it is it like in life, I don't think the pursuit of what's possible ever ends unless you burn out and then you would need to ask yourself, you know, why that is, or you find the next thing that excites you so much that you're willing to put in all the hours and all the effort and, 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 and do it again. I love how important you made recovery. Mm. Um, physical recovery, mental recovery. Um, that, that, that's, that's a, is that a survival? I feel like that's survival mechanism, uh, to sustain our lives. Would would you agree in our careers? Oh, I, I, interesting. It just dawned on me that I apply the same strategy in business all the time. Because what I see, so what I've seen so many times is people burn out because they never do, right? They 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 have hardly finished the last project and they're already on to the next three. And that will work for a while, but it's not sustainable. 
Um, so it, also in business, what I do, if I, I have a real life example, we have a thought leadership conference coming up in May. So I know that March, April, May are going to be crazy, workload crazy, stress crazy, but it's yeah. worth it because we're, you know, I'm super excited and passionate about putting it on. I want it to be the best thought leadership conference that it can potentially become. Now, at the same time, I've already filed for paid leave the right the week after because I know that I will be, I, my brain will a, be fried. That is a cheat code, folks. Plan for it. And it's it. so easy. It's all you have to do is plan yeah. for it now while you're still sane. And you know it's there for you. It, you know, it's there to protect you no matter what happens. You know you've got that recovery period. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, it's, um, you never realize it until other people point you to it. It's, um, it's something that I do very regularly. Whenever there is a big project that comes to an end, I take a few days off. And everyone's like, Jasmine, you're, that, is, that is such a smart thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, let's all do it because we'll, we'll all do better work. We'll all be better humans and we won't be as stressed out with our families, with our friends. That's also something that is really important to me. I used to be someone who tried to keep family and friends and work very separate, right? Yeah. I was like, no, don't, no, mix and match. No, no. Uh, that is not possible because you're, I bring you, I bring my emotions to work. Work has an effect on me. So I bring emotions to my friends and my family. So, so much power in emotions. Totally. And you cannot deny that you can try to, sort of, you know, gloss over that, but again, won't work very long. So to me, that's super important that all of these components are in balance. And you can only do that if you spend quality time with the people who matter most to you. Yeah. I love that. Um, the, the mindset of the multidisciplined triathlete, the mindset of the multidisciplined professional, it's, it's the, the entirety of your uh, existence is allowed. You, you give yourself permission to be your whole self in those situations, respect them, know the boundaries, know your capabilities, uh, know I can push myself harder. I've got more in me. I got more in the tank. Um, or I got to stop, you know, I'm on the verge of injury. You, you can see how far you can push yourself with those, those mental models that you've shared. Those are some amazing like mental cheat codes. I don't think we've ever gotten to these mental cheat codes on this pod before. Um, that was cool. I wasn't even expecting to get into the, this level of detail. Um, but wow, you've got to be very intentional. Um, it sounds like you're very intentional with, um, with a lot of things. Um, and you talked about a thought leadership conference. I want to get into your, your career arc a little bit. Um, so you're at content stack, uh, right now. Tell me about your role there. Tell me about content stack. Well, content stack is a, um, a content experience platform. So really a software as a service started out as a headless CMS core component of what we call composable architectures these days. Yeah. Um, and we actually pioneered what is now 
being called composable before it was even a thing. There was no label attached to it. We just, we saw a pain and that was, how do I, how do I organize my content in a way? How do I connect my content to other parts of the system in a way that is, that will actually make my life easier and not harder because things start breaking and you push this button here and then this crazy thing happens over there. So that's really how, how we set out as a company. And we've always kept the customer at heart. And that sounds so cheesy, but that I think mm-hmm. is also one of those eternal uh, rules, really. Um, if you want to be the best version of yourself, you need feedback and you need to listen to what your customers actually need versus what you think they need. And that's true, whichever vertical or industry or uh, company you work for. So Absolutely. having having that constant feedback loop and, and really caring about what the customers want and need in order to challenge the status quo. Think about all the brands that are still today stuck on monolithic legacy systems. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of them out there. And, and, you know, many of them are not first movers or not even second movers. They, you know, and they're, they're bought into very expensive, very unforgivable systems that it's not, it's not easy to say, Hey, you know, let's rip and replace this SAP thing over here. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to work. So we need to acknowledge that reality. But what we can do and what we try to do is, you know, let's start small, start small, small steps, short swim, not a long swim, you know, pick pick the one thing that is most painful to you today. Oh, payments. Okay. Then how about we start with a POV on payments and we build for you, we connect for you what needs to be connected. And then let's look at the data and let's, prove to a degree that this works better for you this way than if you had kept it on your old premises. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, okay, great. Let's look, let's look at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And so little by little, step by step, we, you know, we want to enable c- customers to go on that journey and go on that journey safely. And we, we won't let them fail. That is what content stack does differently. I think from a lot of vendors is such an ugly word. I don't ever want to use it because you don't yeah. want a vendor. You want a partner, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have a um, program called care without compromise. Uh, that is really special because what it says is, Hey, dear customer, uh, you know, the, the one thing that every customer is afraid of, in a composable architecture is, oh, go, what if something breaks and I, I don't even know where the problem is. Now, do I have to call all 27 companies that are involved in my tech stack? And what uh, Care Without Compromise promises is that you can just call us and give us a hand us the problem and we'll figure out what the root issue is and we'll have it fixed and we'll come back to you with the solution and not, you know, pointing at each other going, oh no, it's not a contest tech problem. Oh no, it's not, it's, it's an Imprima problem. Oh no, it's a, 
name whatever third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh company you would like problem. No, let's all come together and provide the best solution possible for the customer. And then, you know, that will pay off in the long run. I love that. You know, I feel like that concept was created before content stack was created. I, I get the feeling that the company was built upon, was born with that idea in mind. Yeah. And it's really true to values, right? The, the, the content stack very much operates on a value-based framework. We do the right thing when no one is watching. And that the beauty in that is here's here's another hack. The beauty if you install that in a company is you don't need specific instructions for case A or case B because the the principle is universally applicable. Do the right thing when nobody's watching. Should I call my customer when I see something is going wrong? Should I offer a discount for something or whatever it is that's coming up. If you look at the principles that are outlined, that enables everyone in the company to make a decision and one that is good for both the customer and the company. I love that. Um, I also want to talk about your, uh, your, your, the leadership role at the mock mm -hmm. Alliance, mm -hmm. um, where this idea of, of composables also uh, in there for folks, um, who are listening, what is the mock Alliance? Um, and I know you've, there's a, there's a manifesto, there's a mission there. What's the mission of it and, um, demystify the mock Alliance a little bit for the, for us. Absolutely. With pleasure. The mock Alliance is a nonprofit that was founded in March, 2020. So not that long ago. Um, and it strives to, to, really advocate for best of breed composable architecture to enable businesses to future proof their business model. That's a mouthful. Um, what it actually is and does is by now it started out with five companies, uh, Valtech, ContentStack, uh, Ampliance, EPAM, and uh, attempted to say center. So those five were in a mix from the beginning and it was really not clear whether that would be a success. So five companies came together and said, Hey, you know, we think the world needs more of this. Mm -hmm. Let's put all our differences aside and let's double down on the word that we want to spread. That's super powerful when you put your differences aside. And that to this day is the beauty of the mock Alliance. The Alliance has grown to 75 plus members and it has, it, that, that's companies in a mix from AWS and Google. So really big companies have joined as of late. Accenture is in a mix, Capgemini is in a mix. So we have big consultancies by now, but there's yeah. also startups. There is solution implementers, there is all kinds of vendors. So anything really that you can think of that is part of a composable architecture or ecosystem has a place in the mock Alliance. The one rule is you cannot Mac wash yourself into 
the alliance, right? There's a few companies who um, are doing a lot of legacy things and now as of late have started composable offerings. And I think we'll see much, much more of that. But that, of course, is not not your not the key to entering the mock alliance. The mock alliance really focuses on you know, you, mock composable needs to be at the core of your business. And maybe just as a because we use mock all the time because to us it's such a such a common term. But mock stands for microservices, API first, cloud native, and headless. So, and, and often the question is, what's the difference between mock and headless? Well, headless is just one of the pieces of mock. Mock is broader uh, and, and deeper and enables you to do more with your tech stack. So that is a, is a super compelling um, promise. Um, and we've been blown away by the number of companies and the size and the reputation of companies that are now members of the Alliance makes us very proud. And what's so exciting is people from all of these companies, incredibly smart people, get together and they all leave their company head at the door, myself included. So I, you know, I arrive as head of corp comms at ContentStack, but I enter the room and I'm the VP of the Mock Alliance. And I will advocate for whatever is best for the Alliance. Whether that's you know voting on who's to become the next member or uh, coming up with a marketing strategy for the alliance, which is what I started with, creating the brand, creating something new, igniting that fire, that spark mm. that gets everyone excited. How many times in your career do you have an opportunity to do that? But now, fun fun fact. I mean, that's all. We are all volunteers. None of us are being paid to do this. All that happens is our companies say, hey, yeah, you can spend a few hours following your dreams. <laughs> Fueled by passion. <laughs> Fueled by passion, exactly. And that's, I'm just off a call with one of the fantastic ladies that were, um, and we're um, starting a women in mock initiative that. Amazing that we started in, in August and we're gonna really double down on that now. And that call with her just gave me so much energy because here's people who on top of their already super demanding day jobs, decide that there is something that they're passionate about and they're willing to put in the time and the effort and say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm super busy, but I guess what? I can carve out 30 minutes. I can carve out. Yes, I do wanna be in charge of this. Let's get together and figure this out. So that is incredibly beautiful and I'm incredibly proud to be part of that. And I'm one of those pushy people. I, I know some people hate me for that, right? I'm like, okay, here's the three things that are the most exciting. How can we get that going? Yeah. Super cool. I love that. Yeah, uh, women in mock. Yes. I love that. Talk to me about... Um, I, I've heard you speak about this and there's some cheat codes in gender equity that we all need to be thinking mm. about. Oh yeah. Um, and first off, it's, it's so sad <laughs> that we have to talk about this, right? Because we, we don't, we all wish that in 2023, we wouldn't need a women in mock thing. We're gonna, yeah. We're going to talk about it until we're better. 
And that's the point. And that's when, when, you know, when you ask me how long do you envision this to run, um, you know, until we don't need it anymore. I would be super happy if it's not needed in five years. I kind of have a feeling we'll be around, but maybe the cost is going to be broader. So what we started out with is the tech industry is notoriously horrible in terms of gender equity. Right. There's uh, right. only 11% of the workforce is female to start with. Uh, little to none ever make it to managing positions or leadership positions. Um, really, really, really tough environment. And what we as women, many times, me, myself included, never realize is that most of the times we're the only women in the room. But it's so normal for us that we, we just don't never occurred to me that that was the case until we uh, did a, a women in mock event in Madrid in August last year, September. And we invited a hundred super strong women from the tech space, just because we felt, you know what we, we all need, we all feel so isolated sometimes. And we all think it's just us. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm doing it wrong. That's usually what happens. And we, a small group of people said, you know what, let's bring everyone together and talk openly about it. So we got a hundred women in a room. And what then happened can only be described as magic. The first woman got on stage, Sonia Curl, um, then president of the Mock Alliance. And just very openly talked about how, how exhausting it is at times to be a single working mom of three, to want a leadership position and to hold a leadership position at the same time, juggling all the balls and trying to only drop the rubber ones. Yeah. And that's, that sparked everyone, everyone in the room to open up and share. And funny enough, everyone's like, oh, oh, same here. I felt that way. Oh, and yes, I've come, I've seen this happen. And oh my gosh, really? Yes, I am many times the only woman in the room. Funny enough, we had a few, um, what we call male allies in the room also, because right. you never want just the underrepresented minority. If you look at the underrep underrepresented minority, whichever one you're looking at by themselves, and you ask them to lift themselves up out of the hole that they're sitting in, th that is just insane, even thinking about it. So we made sure that we had a few male allies uh, on site. And here's the fun thing. Great guy, love him to pieces, takes me to the side and it's like, Jasmine, I feel awkward. And I'm like, why? Because to me, it never, it's the same. It never occurred. You're, you can see where this is going. And he's like, well, you know what? This is the first time in my life that I'm outnumbered. There's five guys and 95 women in here. I am so sorry. I had no idea until it, uh, how it felt for you until now. Wow. And that is such a, powerful experience and get, you know, such a powerful experience for him, but then for him to share that with his peers and to create that, um, you know, awareness of how it feels. 
here's the emotion component again, right? Because yeah. we can talk about it all day long. Everyone will nod and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But until you experience it for yourself, it, it's just not, not as strong. And there is a few very easy things that we all can do and they don't require money or, you know, even a lot of effort. My favorite example is always, if you're asked to speak on a panel, insist that the panel is 50, 50 male, female, mm -hmm. yeah. very easy. Not doesn't require you to do anything, but speak up. If you're invited to go to a conference, bring a friend, a female friend to make sure that you have that we all have more representation in the room. And with these small hacks that goes such a long way. If you're putting on a conference, make sure that your speakers are 50, 50 male, female, that is a bit more work. I will admit that because that's what we did for the first mock Alliance conference in, in London. Yeah. But it's the right thing to do. Do the right thing, even when nobody's watching, especially if people are watching, because, you know, here's a proof that it can be done. Yes, it is a little more effort, but it's possible. So, yeah, if you want better, you have to work harder and you don't. I love what you you gave us, the audience, some very easy things to just change. You don't have to be the one male in a room of a hundred females to rewire your brain to understand this. Just do those very simple changes in how you conduct uh, business, make decisions, even see the world. And everyone can do that. It's not a manager thing, right? If you're, even if you're not even, if you're on the uh, events team, if you're the events manager and you're in charge of the agenda, just speak up and say, Hey, you know, I think we have an imbalance here. And, and many times just raising that concern or, you know, pointing out that there is something that needs addressing is enough because many people are just, there's very little, um, bad intentions, but there's a whole lot of, Ooh, Oh, Oh, I, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. <laughs> Only good outcomes. Yeah. I love that. Jasmine, that's amazing. Uh, this talk was awesome. Love the, the mental uh, models you've shared. Love hearing about content stack. Uh, love hearing about the mock Alliance and uh, what you're doing uh, in terms of uh, gender equality, um, gender equity uh, in business. There's a host of cheat codes that we pulled out and how, how can folks hear more from you? Um, are, are there other places if they want to reach out or listen to you consume more of your, your content and your message? Um, how can they do that? Thanks for asking. Well, um, the easiest way to get a good mix is uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, as lame as that sounds. And the the great place to go is a uh, podcast because we have a, a podcast called People Changing Enterprises um, that is available on all platforms wherever you listen to your podcasts. And in there we talk specifically with customers about how they went composable, but more importantly, how they made their mark. How did they bring about the change that they want to see in the world. So it's super, super inspiration. I always walk away inspired by 
how brave people are, how vulnerable they are, and how they actually go about doing what many people would find too hard even to try. So if you're looking for some inspiration on, on how to change an enterprise, how to be a fin how, how to be a great leader for your people, because that's tied together, then that's a fantastic podcast to, to listen to. And I host that one. Awesome. We're going to have to put some links in the, the show notes here for folks to get that. Uh, Jasmine, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the pod and sharing all of your, your wisdom experiences and all your cheat codes. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you everyone for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sonny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Briald. And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts and be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening. <music>